Have you ever heard the quote, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom? Well, I have, and I actually made a post about that on a website. So if you go to the website, um, www.annm2705.com, then you can find this and other writings. The only reason why you'd need to go to it is if you want to have any of the links that are on the actual website, as opposed to hearing them. So I have scripture linked throughout the, uh, the website version, and I'm going to just read what I wrote here and maybe add some commentary on, on it as well. But fear of God, the beginning of wisdom. Does it seem like not many people have the fear of God in our world today? People are living with the belief of, quote, my truth, which is a deception. It's a lie. Truth is being distorted like never before. In the past, we referred to this as delusional or insane. People need help and truth. But what is truth? Truth is the word of God. What is the word of God? So I have links to a scripture that talks about what the Bible says about the word of God. And the word of God is actually Jesus. The word of God is found in scripture, and if you seek him, you will find him. Jesus is the truth. I have all the scriptural references to that, so you can click on those. Then, of course, everybody's going to say, well, why should I trust the Bible? It contains documented historical accounts from multiple eyewitnesses. There were 40 authors over a significant span of time. They all have a consistent story and message. It contains prophecies told by 17 different prophets, which came true, you know, the prophecies they told came true later in history, yet some remain to be fulfilled to this day. When you read it, you'll discover it for yourself. The oldest book, Job, reflects the cultural and historical settings found in Genesis chapters 12 through 50. And this was written about 1446 to 1406 BC. Therefore, it is believed to have been written in the second millennium BC, or about 2000 BC, around the time of Abraham, which was about 2166 to 1991 BC. The last book of the Bible, Revelation, was written by the apostle or disciple John, and it was written about 90 to 96 AD. So in total, scripture spans approximately 2,100 years with virtually no change as proven when the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. The Dead Sea Scrolls are ancient manuscripts that were discovered between 1947 and 1956 in 11 caves near Kerbet Qumran on the northwestern shores of the Dead Sea. They are approximately 2,000 years old, dating from the 3rd century BCE to the 1st century CE. And um, the Israel Museum actually has these. So lack of the fear of God isn't something new, though. It has been present throughout history of the Bible. However, the lack of fear of God 
had deadly consequences as given by example from the authors of the books of the Bible. We can learn from others' experiences, and if we take action, we won't suffer the same consequences they did. This is how Paul described people who don't fear God, and that's found in Romans chapter 3. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. When I first read the Bible in 2019, there were verses that literally put the fear of God in me. I believed after reading the Bible and knew that I needed to change my way of living life because of the future consequences that would affect me if I did not change. These are the verses that still come to mind when I think of why fear God four years later. So why fear God? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Some people make up their own version of God and lie to themselves, claiming they are good. But Jesus said, and this is affirmed by other authors throughout scripture too. Jesus said, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. That was documented by Mark in chapter 10, verse 18. And it's kind of interesting, you know, Jesus is basically saying, you know, he is one with the Father, and and people are calling him good. And so he's saying, are you, I don't know. I mean, when I read it, I think, you know, is Jesus then saying, okay, well, kind of, you know, pointing it back to them saying, well, God's the only one who's good. So then are you calling me God? Are you admitting it? Uh, because they're calling him good. So anyway, our understanding of good and God's underway of standing um, good is very different. So things that we think are good are probably not as good as what God thinks. So getting back to what was written, who will not be in God's kingdom? Again, these are, these are things that I read in scripture that put the fear of God in me. And so when I found out who will not be in God's kingdom, there are repetitive verses describing those who will not be in the kingdom of God as follows. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That was written by Paul, and it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Here's another quote. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. That was written by Paul 
and you can find that in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. Another quote, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's written by Paul in Galatia and found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Another quote, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. That was said by Jesus and is found in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. Another quote by Jesus found in Revelation, the next chapter, chapter 22. Here it is. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. So some who call themselves Christians will be surprised because I think they're baby Christians or fake Christians, or they don't really know what it means to be a Christian. So if somebody's calling themselves a Christian, but their lives have not changed, they don't understand what Christianity is. And there needs to be, um, they need to receive the Holy Spirit is really what it is. It's because we don't do it on our own, but we have to um, humble ourselves and ask God for help and ask for the Holy Spirit and be willing to change our lives, to be willing to be obedient to what God says. Here's another quote. Um, this is another thing. Again, this is something else that I read that um, that scared me after reading the Bible. So here's the quote, and this is by Jesus. It's found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Now that one's shocking because look, these people are driving out demons, they're performing miracles, they're prophesying. And and it was in Jesus's name too. So, but he's saying, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So I think there's going to be some surprises when Jesus returns. And, um, and I think that people are, you know, who are not in scripture, who don't know these verses exist, they're going to be the ones that will have a rude awakening. Like this, the scripture is true. It's going to happen. And if we are ignorant of it, that doesn't protect us from the consequences of this. That's the bad thing. Um, and 
anyway, that's why people, I believe, or that's why Jesus told people the things that he told. That's why he said this to people. He was waking them up. He was telling them, hey, listen to this. You got to know about it. But nobody wanted to hear it because it is tough to hear this. You know, you don't want to change your life. You're not out to um, look to make, you know, your life harder. Everybody wants easy. They want to find the easy way to do everything. No one wants to challenge themselves or do anything that's hard. But Jesus promises us that what comes after this is going to be so much better than anything we've experienced here on earth during this time. So it'll all be worthwhile. But it does involve a commitment is really what it involves. It's, it involves a commitment to God. So Getting back to scripture, it's important to comprehend what believe means because we know that demons will not be in God's kingdom, yet they quote believe. Because often you hear some people that say, all you have to do is believe. Well, that's kind of the first step. It's not complete, but belief means if you believe something like this, like you know all this stuff, if you believe, isn't it going to make you want to change your life? Because if you believe that nobody, you know, all those descriptions that I read earlier, that none of those will be in the kingdom of God, if you truly believe that, and you have, you are living like that, don't you think you're going to want to change so that you are in God's kingdom, and you're not on the outside? That's what belief is. So if you believe you are going to, you know, you're going to reach out to God. You're going to say, help me because I can't do this alone. I need help. And that's when God, and when you're sorry for your life, your past, you know, what you've done in the past, God's loving. He's so much more loving than any of us. And um, he forgives. And then it's time to move on. Put the past in the past. Forget about it and move forward. And with God's spirit, I mean, God gives us um the spirit uh, that is powerful, that is strong. And that's what, once you receive the Holy Spirit from God, when you're in a, you know, and you're willing to submit your will to God's will, allow him to basically take over your life. Um, when I say allow, that's probably not the right word, but um, commit to, you know, wanting that because God can do anything he wants, but, um, but he does give us free will. So we have to want him to do that. So anyway, getting back to what it says, you know, about um, what believe. So this is what James, Jesus' brother, said. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that. And shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? So James is really pointing out here that if you believe it's going to cause action, if you don't have action followed up by your beliefs, it's as good as dead. If you just know the factual information and you don't do anything about it in your life, you haven't changed. You haven't, you haven't received the spirit. You haven't, uh, you're not doing anything different. It's just like anything in, else in life. If you read a workout book, but you never do it, are you going to get the results? You can know all the information. If you read a nutrition book, but you never implement what it says, is it going to make a difference in your life? Knowledge is not what is going to change your life. It's putting it into, it's your actions that come 
from the knowledge that you get. So knowing it is one thing, but doing something with the knowledge is a completely different thing, and that's what takes you to the next level. So at a certain point of continual rejection, God allows people to have their way. And this is another scary part that scared me when I read the Bible, was furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what, what ought not be done. So that's found in Romans chapter 1, verse 28. Just thinking about that, um, doing, you know, like at a certain point, if you keep rejecting God, he's just going to turn you over and say, you want it? Here you go. Let's have your way. He doesn't force any of this on us. And that's what, you know, this Bible, you know, people say, well, the Bible is written to like force people into a certain way of acting or whatever. It's very clear here. God, if you understand the Bible, if you read the Bible and see what it says, God allows people to do their own thing. He does not force them. This is all about like choices that we have. He doesn't force them to live by his commands or anything. He tells them that, you know, it will go well with them if they do. And he asked, he asked them or suggests or tells them to repent, but you see that people don't repent. They don't change their lives. And, um, and then, you know, God just, he doesn't like it, but he lets them have the way they want. So, um, that is, that's something about love. You know, you can't force it and God's not forcing it on people. It's, it's up to the, to all of us to take action if we choose to. So does God blot out names from the book of life? It appears so. So I have a link also on the website on the website where I searched blot in scripture because um, just so you can do that or go to the website and find the link where I did that because it seems to me like God does sometimes do that. So the um, Jesus said in Revelation chapter three, verse five, the one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. So, you know, basically Jesus in a lot of the churches, Revelation 3 is um, dealing with Jesus's message that he said, he told John to go to the, <clears throat> to the angels to give them messages. And he told them what they were doing well and what they needed improvement on. And in most, I think, except for two churches, he told them that they needed to repent they need to get back to where they were before because people are, you know, I guess I've heard the word backsliding. They're away from their faith. They're not living the faith they maybe had once. And um, some people, I think it's falsely, um, say that, you know, once saved, always saved. But then I read things like this and it concerns me. I'm like, okay, so Jesus said, I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life. This is the one who's victorious. Okay, the one who repents, basically, he's telling people to repent. So they will be dressed in white. So, you know, they will be forgiven. They will not be blotted out of the book. So if there's, if he says he won't blot somebody out of the book, doesn't that also mean that there are some that he will? That's kind of using logic. It doesn't clearly state that, but drawing my own conclusion on that. So it's, it's enough to me to think that, you know, you can't, you, 
you can't like be an adversary to God after you've um, chosen to surrender to God and then become an adversary of God and ignore everything that he says and expect that God's going to give you the kingdom that he has for all the people who have prepared, you know, that's, that's pretty risky. I don't know that I'd want to risk that and something you have to think about. So who is victorious? From that chapter, it appears that Christians who have not backslid, backslid transgressed, transgressed, or gone back into a sinful life, lifestyle when a white robe is given, symbolically, this is the covering of Jesus. But if a person soils their white robe, they are not part of the victorious. Jesus says, remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not, you will not know at what time I will come to you, he says. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. And he also says, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. He gives a warning. If they don't repent, they are about to die. This scripture is why I personally don't believe the doctrine of once saved, always saved. We need to remain in Christ Jesus warns so many times about falling asleep, being unprepared, what you have received. It seems to reference the Holy Spirit and heard seems to reference the gospel message. In the parable of the 10 virgins, which I have a link on the website, Jesus emphasizes being prepared. Oil is the symbolic anointing. It's of having the Holy Spirit. Remember that Jesus said, unless we are born again, a new creation, born of the Spirit, we will not see God's kingdom. This is important to know for those who claim to be Christians but truly aren't. There's currently time to wake up and get right with God. The Return of Jesus The return of Jesus is, re- is referred to as the day of the Lord. There are many references to it throughout multiple authors of the Bible. And I have a link where you can see all the different verses where the day of the Lord is spoken of. It will be fulfilled with God's just wrath against all who choose evil and have rejected God. So after knowing all this, what's the solution? Repent, reject sin, ask for forgiveness, show your belief by your actions and how you live Receive the Holy Spirit from God through Jesus. The Holy Spirit transforms and changes us to become obedient to God. Repentance is required for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus did the rest. Repentance is what we do to prepare, and Jesus will give us the Holy Spirit when we are sincere because we need to be born of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. That's what Jesus, that was what Jesus said in Luke 24, verse 47. Evidence of being saved, a new creation. Many people identify as Christians, but may not be saved. 
or true Christians. Unfortunately, these people turn others away from Christianity by how they live because they are not a living example. Their life has not changed, and they may not understand what it truly means to be a Christian. If a person is truly saved in Christ, these are the characteristics that others will see. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That was written about by Paul in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 24. If a person is not saved, these are the characteristics that others will see. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That was written by Paul in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. The benefits of repentance and reconciliation with God. We have God's protection. This is written by John. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. We, who are not Jewish, will have a shared inheritance with the remnant of the Jews. And this is written by Paul. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Another quote. And giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. That's written about by Paul in Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 12. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. That's in Colossians chapter 3, verse 24, and that's by Paul. Next, you might ask, as a reward for what? The answer is in the, in the verses prior to this quote, living in a Christian household, wives, husband, children. So that's what uh, Paul was talking about, the reward. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant and that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set free from the sins committed under the first covenant. That's in Hebrews 9.15. So <clears throat> this is, this you know, the, the law of sin is death. And that was a curse that went on all of mankind. So that's the outcome. Everybody was going to die. 
And that's why Jesus had to come, because he was the only sinless sacrifice that could make atonement. If you go back to the Jewish custom traditions where atonement was required for forgiveness of sins, or, you know, the death is required, and and God allowed a substitute sacrifice. Jesus was the substitute sacrifice for all of mankind, and he's the only perfect, sinless person that can do that for everyone. So Jesus is the only way, just like he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it's it's a very spiritual, it's a hard concept to get all these things. I know it was for me, but all of these verses in scripture really help me understand it. I'm sure if it helped me, it will help other people understand it too, if someone doesn't currently understand it. So here's another quote from Peter. Praise be to the Let's start over. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So when we have the Spirit, we are shielded by God's power. And having the Holy Spirit until the coming of the salvation, that's when Jesus returns. And so the Holy Spirit is that protection, is that one who guides, is the power, is the one who takes away fear in us who gives us peace without un- with you know that is peace without understanding i mean peace in all circumstances that's all from the holy spirit and you we do see that in people we do see that when people experience tragedies but yet have this peace and you know, it's not you're like how can they actually be peaceful about that when all that stuff happened and it's because they have the holy spirit and the holy spirit gives that it's just as people who are not saved you know, when we're in that state, we can't understand that for somebody. It doesn't make sense to us because we don't experience that. We don't, unless we have the Holy Spirit, and then we experience that peace. So we become, once we have the Holy Spirit, we become children of God. So there's a whole bunch of quotes that um, these are about children of God. So I'll just read them. And I don't think I'm going to reference every single place for them. If you want to find it, you can go to the website to see it. But these are just things that you might want to hear. Um, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So all who received Jesus to those who believed in Jesus' name, he gave the right to become children of God. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. You know, that's going to be like at the coming of Jesus when the children of God will be revealed. Because no one knows. There's a lot of people, like I said before, there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians, but they're not truly saved if they haven't received the Holy Spirit and if they haven't fully surrendered. So 
Um, words and actions are two different things. And that's what I think this means is that, you know, we don't know who the children of God are, but we will see that at someday. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. So our belief in Christ Jesus, which brings about action by us, then we are children of God. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. So that was actually from Paul. And he was saying, he was telling all these people that they needed to continue to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. So again, this is another verse that makes me believe once saved, always saved is not true. Because if you were saved, why would you have to continue to work it out with fear and trembling? So um, if you're living outside of the way God commands, yeah, you should have fear and trembling, but that's only going to be there to make you get back with God to reconcile with God. So um, and it is it's like he says, it is God who works in you to will and to act. That's a surrender part. When you surrender yourself to God and allow to his will to work out, he will begin to put these, um, I guess these thoughts in your head to do good things that you would not normally want to do, but they are good. And then if you obey God, there's actually what I've experienced in those circumstances when I've obeyed God something good then has happened to me afterwards. It's maybe something I didn't want to do, but I knew it was good. I knew it was the right thing to do and I chose it. And then all of a sudden something beautiful happened. And those are things that have happened time and time again. And I guess that is God's little encouragement to keep us on the right path. So another quote, see what great love the father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that they did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. 
The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Another quote, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah is born of God and everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Another quote. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. That's another one that was kind of scary to find out was that if you are not a child of God yet, you are under control of the evil one. And that's, you know, people will deny that. But once you actually are saved, it is clear. Like you really start to be able to see that in the world. And um, but when you're not saved, you're ignorant to it because you're blinded. You are under control of the evil one, and, and people don't get that. And it's, but we're all in that condition. It's not like some weren't and some, some were and some were not. No, all of us started out in that blind state under the control of the evil one. But somehow God reaches us, and somehow God opens our eyes. And it happens to different people in different ways. But when it does, and then you surrender to God's will, then you will start seeing these things more clearly, your eyes are opened. I've, when you get into scripture and start hearing this stuff, I know that's what happened to me. It was what scripture said that really changed me. So God hears our prayers and answers them if they are in accordance with his will. So there's several quotes about this. Then he continued, do not be afraid. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. That was by Daniel. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. So in this uh, quote, Abraham had been praying. He kept saying to God, Will you not destroy the city if there's, I forgot the numbers of people, but say there's a hundred people who were, who were good. And then, you know, God said, yes, but I won't find a hundred. And then he said, well, what if there are, and he kept, Abraham kept going down in numbers and he's like, what if there are 10 people? And I don't even remember the lowest number that he got to, but the point was Abraham kept saying, will you destroy it if you can find this many people? that are still good, that are still righteous. And, and God said, you know, God said he would, 
But when he went, he didn't find any. This was Sodom and Gomorrah. And, um, but God remembered the plea from Abraham. So God allowed the angels to save Lot and his family. And so they, they were going to save, the angels were going to save Lot and his wife and his two daughters and their husbands, their fiancés that they were engaged to be married to. And the guys that, the guys didn't believe it or they didn't follow along, you know, they didn't listen. They kind of brushed it off, you know, with Lot trying to get them all out. He was going to get their whole family was going to go. And then Lot's wife also went with it. So Lot and his wife and his two daughters left, but the angel said, don't look back. You just keep on going. Don't look back. If you look back, you're, you're as good as dead. And Lot's wife looked back. She didn't make it. And so it was Lot and his daughters that actually made it out of that. Um, but the only reason they made it out, the only reason they were spared is because of Abraham's prayers. That's what the Bible tells us. So we can see that prayers are effective. The prayers of the righteous people are heard. And so that's another reason to remain in Christ, to remain righteous, because your prayers are heard by God. And it may be that you can help someone else be saved, like Abraham helped his nephew Lot be saved in that circumstance. So just something to think about. Then another quote, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Then uh, we will receive blessings when you are a child of God, you know, God is the most important one. God is the greatest. So like when you're a child of God, you're naturally going to be blessed with things. So um, I do have a couple links where um, where blessed is and then where blessed are. So there's a whole bunch of verses that talk about blessings. And you can find that on the, uh, the website. Then look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy written in the scroll. Those are words of Jesus, and they are about the book of Revelation. So whoever keeps those words in Revelation will be blessed. So that's something good. Then if you find this helpful, please share this with someone I know these verses are hard to handle, but they are truth. So if someone is not right with God or prepared, but decides to change that, that's one more person living in God's kingdom, one more eternal friend or brother or sister. It's not too late if someone is reading or hearing this today. Do it today. Don't delay. This is meant to be received and loved for the good of those who read this and take action. May God bless you.